The Download with DP, a weekly podcast talking about high school and college sports right here in Central Illinois. I'll discuss what I saw in the past week, what's coming up on Channel 1450, and what we're looking forward to. Episode 46. What a week. Plenty to talk about in this podcast, so thank you for joining. I appreciate you listening, as does Northwestern Mutual, for being the official sponsor of this podcast. What I do, what we do at Channel 1450 wouldn't be possible without people believing in us. So thank you to Northwestern Mutual for jumping on board. Let's start with the biggest news story of the week. Reed Detmers, the Glenwood graduate, throws a no-hitter on Tuesday night in just his 11th career Major League start. Reed becomes the 12th Angels pitcher to do it and is only the 316th no-hitter in Major League history. I know 300 is a lot, but think about it for a minute. There's how many Major League teams that play in the league. They all play 162 games per season. That's a ton of games throughout the history of baseball. And Reed throws one as a 22-year-old. Congratulations to Reed Detmers. Just incredible stuff. Now, what else is going on? Let's talk about what I saw in the past week. Wrapping up last week's action, it's U-High at Glenwood for girls soccer. And after the Pioneers beat Rochester to hand them their first loss, I thought maybe this would be a decent game. Apparently, U-High was missing a few girls either way. The Titans blew them out in the rain to claim at least a share of the CSA title. Took Saturday off to enjoy the weekend with the family and jumped back in on Monday with a great baseball game. The rain out forced U-High and Springfield to be played Monday night at Robin Roberts and after a marathon between Lamphere and the Pioneers, pushed the game back to a 7.30 start time on Monday night. Let me tell you, it was well worth the wait. The Pioneers take a 5-0 lead in the first inning. The Senators had a great chance to win it in the seventh after home runs from Jack Sweeney and Nolan Kulovic. It was an awesome game. Go check out the highlights. Go check out the premium stuff. It was a big win for the Pioneers who can all but lock up a CSA title with a win at home tonight against Jacksonville. After that late night on Monday, Tuesday was an early one as Glenwood and Rochester met in the afternoon. The Titans, what a performance from the soccer girls. Dominating Rochester for a massive win, the Titans finished the CSA slate unbeaten and beat Rochester in convincing fashion. Ella Gorey all but locks up CSA Soccer Player of the Year for the Channel 1450 Awards. On Wednesday, after talking with Chris and Erica Detmers about the no-no from Reed, thank you to them for taking the time. I greatly appreciate it. Those are just two of the nicest people in the world and couldn't be happier for them. Made my way out to Verdon on Wednesday for some regional soccer. Doubleheader on the turf. Probably as expected, SHG beats Auburn and Plains beats North Mac to set up another great game between the Cyclones and the Cardinals. Last year, these two met in the postseason and in what some would call an upset, the Cardinals beat them. This year, I'd say both are pretty even. I would say the Cyclones probably favored a little bit. They won the regular season matchup at SHG by a score of 2-1. to one. It was a great game. These are two great teams. It's a shame they have to play in a regional. I can't wait to see them play on Friday night. If you have nothing to do, get down to Verdon. Check out the beautiful facilities they have there and a great girls soccer game. That's where I'll be on Friday. Let's talk about what's coming up on Channel 1450 and what the big games, meets, and matches are in the next seven days. Thursday, I'm heading down to Granite City to see Glenwood play in their last regular season game. The Titans with, I believe, a legit shot to run to state. They have the team to do it. Also happening Thursday, plenty of girls track sectionals and the Jacksonville Crimsons head to U-High, like I said, in baseball. Where the Glenwood Titans and the Springfield Senators are hoping the Crimsons can pull it off and force a three-way tie atop the CSH standings. Also on Thursday, Robert will be indicator at Eisenhower for the boys' Central State 8 track meet. I don't know why the running events have to start at 5.30. That means it won't get over till 9.30 and Robert is in for a long night, so... Um, yeah, track is just w- way too long. Excited to see the action from the best in the conference, though. We'll be there with the camera, so keep an eye on that. On Friday, like I already said, SHE planes for the 1A regional soccer title in Verdon. Also, a good baseball game to pay attention to Friday. Lincoln at Glenwood. That'll be a good one to keep an eye on. And then the CSA tennis tournament kicks off Friday at Washington Park, and that wraps up on Saturday. Also Saturday, the other 1A regional soccer championship of note, Williamsville hosting... And they'll be the favorite against St. Thomas More on Saturday. Big shout out to Grayson Mirable from Williamsville. School record for goals. She scored seven. Yes, seven in the semifinal. Incredible stuff from her. That game is at 11 a.m. on Saturday. We'll have highlights of that. Also Saturday, Mount Plasky at New Berlin Baseball. Keep an eye on that. 
and then Granite City at Springfield High Baseball, two good teams as well. On Monday, all right, I'm just going to get into the, the postseason stuff because I, I know this is going to be a lot. It's a mouthful. It's going to be maybe confusing, but um, trying to run through everything that is going on next week. Um, yeah, just buckle up, and if you hear your name, then pay attention. Also, Monday, here we go. Quincy at Glenwood Softball. The Titans have dominated the CSA Conference this season. And they have some absolute studs coming up the pipeline. So Vondel is just going to keep on winning for the Titans. No surprise there. Pawnee Baseball won the MSM Baseball Conference outright. They're at Springfield, or should I say, they're playing Springfield at Lake Land on Monday. Postseason Baseball on Monday. Williamsville host Riverton in the regional quarterfinal. The winner heads to Moroa on Wednesday to play against Pittsfield. Also Monday, Warrensburg-Latham. Hosting Tri-City, the winner plays Moroa at Moroa on Wednesday. Pleasant Plains hosting Rushville Industry on Monday. The winner heads to play Beardstown at Quincy Notre Dame on Wednesday. Athens hosts Porta. The winner plays at QND against QND on Wednesday. Finally, at the 2A level in baseball, Sullivan travels to Auburn. The winner plays North Mac at North Mac on Thursday. Tuesday, sectional soccer. Williamsville, if they win on Saturday, will play probably against Normal U High. That game is at Warrensburg at 4 p.m. The SHG Plains soccer winner on Friday will head to Quincy Notre Dame for that sectional where they'll play Tuesday at 6 p.m. against the winner of Alton Marquette and Greenville. 2A softball on Monday. Porta hosts Beardstown. The winner plays Q&D in Petersburg on Tuesday. Pleasant Plains hosting Rushville in softball and baseball on Monday. The winner plays... Athens at Porta on Wednesday for softball. In Verdon on Monday, North Mac softball hosts Pittsfield. The winner heads to SHG to play Tri-City on Tuesday. Also Tuesday, the Cyclones host Auburn in the 2A softball regional. Also, softball-wise, Moroa plays the winner of Clinton and Sierra Gordo at UHI on Tuesday in 2A action, and then UHI plays Tri-Valley in the nightcap. Tuesday in Central State 8 action, we get the Glenwood-Rochester matchups next week. So, Glenwood is at Rochester Softball on Tuesday. Then they flip for Wednesday. Rochester Baseball is at Glenwood on Tuesday. Glenwood at Rochester on Wednesday. 2A Softball on Tuesday. New Berlin versus Stanford Olympia at Williamsville on Wednesday. Williamsville Softball plays Carlinville. Wednesday, 2A Regional Soccer. Rochester hosting Meridian at 430. And then after that, Springfield plays Southeast. So that's a doubleheader. We'll likely see Rochester and Springfield play for the regional title next Friday. We'll talk more about 2A Soccer next week on the podcast. Also Wednesday, Mount Pulaski Baseball hosting the regional semifinal against either Decatur LSA or Sierra Gordo. Also Wednesday, in Concord, Jacksonville Route plays against Lutheran High if the Crusaders can beat Gregsville Perry on Monday at home. That's baseball. Also, Pawnee will travel to Harden, Calhoun to play the hosts or Pleasant Hill. I know that's a huge mess. I don't really know how to break it down any better than that because it's just a crazy schedule. Um, we will get to as many regional finals as we can. Semifinals, yeah, we'll see. But that's that. That's what's going on next week in postseason action. Try to explain it the best we can. We'll get to all we can. But as I always say, it's simple. Keep winning and you'll get covered. We try to cover the conference winners and then the best chances we have at deep postseason runs. It's not always perfect. And please remember, we still only have two full-time employees, myself and Robert. So no, we won't be able to get to everything, but we wish everyone the best of luck. Now, as busy as I am and we are this time of year, you'll quickly understand that this man, our guest this week, is just as busy. Emery Appleberry. An umpire, an official, and an all-around great guy. Let's get to it. Joined this week by Emery Appleberry to talk about all things sports because that's what we do on this podcast. And you are around all things sports uh, in Central Illinois for most of the year. So um, happy to have you on. Thank you for taking the time. How are you doing now that we're kind of getting warmed up here? Man, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's wonderful. I don't know what it's like to be in short sleeves. <laughs> I feel like we've had so much rain, but it's great. Thanks for having me. You don't have to wear a coat anymore. We don't have to wear um, rain ponchos. I mean, have you ever had a spring like this? Do you remember? I mean, no. I, Scheduling-wise, I, I can't remember both as an official and I do some assigning. So, like, gosh, I feel feel terrible for our ADs and the kids who are just not able to have any consistency. But I can't remember anything quite like this before ever. I mean, spring sports has just been trampled on these last couple of years. Oh, it's my just gosh. brutal. Well, I, you know, in talking to a lot of the coaches 
and some of the student athletes, if you think about what some of this senior class has been through, where you know we're in year two of all the, all the COVID restrictions, and now this spring, and some of these kids, they just have been through so much. And so just thinking about them and how resilient they've been, it's actually pretty awe-inspiring. As a softball official now in this season, what's what's the spring button like for you in terms of every day you kind of wake up, check the schedule, check the forecast, and be like, man, are we going to play or not? Oh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it, it is one of those things where, um, you know, we've got some really great facilities around here, and then we've got a lot of park-owned where there's just not enough people to do so many things. So... Yeah, not only, even on the game days where we have things that we can get stuff together, some of these teams, they don't have any consistency because they haven't been able to practice, and then certain spots where people are being bounced around, so it's been really unique and really kind of interesting to try to duct tape it all together, but I think we've done as good as we can, both as officials and definitely these kids and coaches, so. I mean, with the the weather being the way it has been this spring, the conversation come up about, you know, Last year kind of worked out better in terms of moving everything back. What are kind of what's your thoughts on that in terms of because I know in terms of travel ball that's it kind of bleeds into that and that's where it's tough. You know it does. Um, I think that it's a conversation that should be had. Um, there are other states and other models where people have moved their entire calendars around, and so I do think that it is at least worth looking because there are some things, whether or not it be weather or um, the travel ball whether it be volleyball or softball, that's a big part of who we're going to be from now on. So it would be worth at least looking to see if we can maybe borrow from other states and maybe revamp the entire calendar if it's going to be something that would avoid things like this. Is that something that um, you have the potential to speak with IGSA about? Is that something that you could bend someone's ear? I mean, is that possible at all? Sure. I mean, it's one of those things that I think that if, uh, you know, sure the officials could do so. Um, I think probably the bigger... Um, the bigger chance for that would be with the admi- administration in the schools, whether or not it be athletic directors and or principals. Um, the IHSA is really, really student-athlete focused, and so I believe their, their big mission when they come for those sorts of changes is they're going to look to see what school administrations and what kind of those changes would mean for, mean for those people. Uh, but absolutely, uh, I've got a pretty good relationship with some of the administrators there, and they've always been relatively open to listening to new ideas. I want to talk more about officiating and all that later, but I kind of want to start with your background. How did you kind of, um, have you always loved sports? What's your kind of background? Where did where'd you grow up? Yeah, I grew up here. Um, okay. I'm actually a second generation guy. My father was a, a long time um, sports official. His name was Hurley Harris, and so he did a lot. They called him Fry, and um, he was around. And then as a teenager, there was a really big uh, baseball softball league that's no longer around anymore called Kids First. Okay. And they used to play at a lot of different parks around. And so um, one day, one of my mentors, a uh, good friend of mine, his name is Jim Mills, he was like, you should try this. Yeah. And it just kind of organically grew from there. And then um, when I was, uh, you know, in the 17, 18 range, uh, there was this thing around that somebody said, hey, you should go to the ASA. And I didn't know what that was. And so um, this softball league and a good friend of who has become a good friend of mine now, uh, his name is Dale Lynch, and plug for him, he's getting ready to go into the USA Softball Hall of Fame. Wow. So Yeah. Uh, but he you know, gave me a shot and got out there and just fell in love with it. Didn't really understand softball all that well, but that was kind of the first love. And so um, from there met up with a few other mentors and got got kind of picked up by an officials association and thought, okay, the softball thing is cool. I'll just do that. And then uh, in our community, somebody says, hey, you might want to look at this volleyball thing. (laughs) You've got a personality for that. Uh, And so um, picked up volleyball and did those two for a while and then just kind of caught the bug. And somebody says, hey, this basketball thing is something that you might consider. And um, I was never an athlete per se, but, you know, in the family, that's kind of always been our our big thing. And so took to that. For me, I'm a three-sport guy, basketball, softball, volleyball, and just absolutely in love with it. So I've had some amazing opportunities with it. Growing up, talking about your dad, um, clearly he didn't have too many bad experiences because you probably would remember that. What do you remember from him, you know, just kind of coming home or or seeing him as an official and saying, oh, you know, that's kind of something that I look up to. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things with him. It's one of those when you are, when you're at a facility and somebody walks in, there's going to be one of two reactions. It's either, oh, that guy or mm, that guy. 
and he was a very personable guy and you know really did a good job and had a big time respect for the game and so the game respected him and so it was one of those things where when, when those officiating things were happening people enjoyed having him around and even if there were confrontations or disagreements it was such a de-escalator and could be like you know poison those sort of things and so I personally never saw those big things because you know this guy he could handle those things and you just learn and see that so um, I've tried to take a whole lot of that into my game and learned a whole lot of stuff and because seeing it was really able to kind of let that be a big part of who I have become as an official. Was it easy for you to transition from playing to being on the other side of things? Yes, because I wasn't a very good player, so <laughs> it wasn't a whole lot of that for me. But it really was. I I'm kind of that uh, kind of that 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 kid that really can't consume enough of some of those things. So I want to know how it works. I want to understand the philosophies of it. So if there are rules in a rule book, tell me why. Why why are these mechanics this yeah. way? Why do we want to do so? So for me, it was great. The inner workings of of I wasn't an athlete and able to produce as amazingly as our student-athletes do now, but the philosophy of what is going to happen, so kind of officiating as a player, what's going to happen, being prepared for those things, and it's been a really neat puzzle to always try to figure out. So I, I just love it. It was a pretty good transition for me. Uh, I feel like the com- a, lot, a common misconception about officials or you know umpires would be you know, they couldn't play the sport well, so they decided to pick on the people who can do it. Sure. How do you kind of break that stigma of, because I feel like that's definitely not the case, but it's kind of looked down upon because sure. you're like, oh, you couldn't cut it, so like you're trying to do this now. I think that one of, it, it's, I'm, I'm really glad that you used the word misconception. Um, you cannot officiate in, in anything, and definitely in a climate like we have right now, if you are not supremely passionate about it. Yeah. Um, if you look at the schedules of most of the officials that are around, many of them are working four, five, six, or even seven days a week. If I use myself as an example, I'm on a stretch where there's 10 straight days of you're out there, you're working, and it's okay. You don't get to do that if you don't love what you do and then understand that without you being in that spot, there are games that are going to be canceled or people who might not care as much as others on these games with this investment that these student-athletes have put in. Um, you know, a lot of us are well aware of the the time commitment, the financial commitment, the emotional commitment that it takes to to play the game, especially at the level that we've got here. I've been very blessed to travel all over many places we have got a, a really great atmosphere of sports in greater central Illinois that other spots don't have, but you don't get to grow that sort of atmosphere if you don't have coaches, families, and officials who care enough about the game to say, I will spend X amount of days away from our families and our things to make sure that those games happen. At what age or at what point did you... You know, feel comfortable going to a softball game and saying, you know, I'm not nervous about this or I'm not like worried about, well, I make the wrong call. How long did that take for you? I don't know if worried is the uh, is the right word. I mean, I, so it, that never goes away. So the awareness of understanding that at any given night there is something that could go on that, um, especially in today's world, that is could be recorded and be blasted out before we even get home. Mm-hmm. So. I think, I, I don't know if word is word, but I'll say that I'm always aware and cautious that there are moments that could potentially be out there. And so that's one of the reasons that for me, I'm kind of like that rules nerd or mechanics nerd that I study all the time. I'm kind of one of those guys, along with a lot of my partners, where if there is a rules question, they're calling me because they know I'm not going to make something up. I'm going to understand the mechanics and go there. So I'm always aware because it just seems that there are always those borderline calls that can happen, and in today's world, it's probably going to be recorded. What's the worst part about being a softball umpire? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I love it a lot. I, I, I'd say that, you know, right now, I think it's it's the the fact that we are stretched as thin as we are, and that in order for the the student-athletes to get the kind of respect and consistent officiating 
all of us are doing more than I think we should. I don't think that there's really room for us right now to mentor and bring forward the next generation um, as I'd like. And then I, if, if I were to have a dual, duality with that, I would say that um, I think that right now we've got a very great competitive climate, but I don't know that we have a climate yet that is apt to convince some of the student athletes that we have now, once their playing days are over, to want to come in and officiate. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that I don't think that it is a coincidence that a lot of the umpires that are around look like me or male or older. And I just think that I, I, I would hope that we can create a climate in which more umpires look more respective of the student athletes that are playing the game. And I'm hoping that we can create and foster an environment that would encourage them once they're done playing to kind of give back in that role. What would that discussion take? What do you think is that kind of gap that, that needs to be fixed in order to do that? Because I think you're right. Like Kids today are going to be like, why would I want to do that? There's no there's no desire. That, it doesn't look glamorous by any means. Sure. I, I, for me, I, I, would, I would say there are two things. Um, I would say that for um, a realization from maybe some of our coaching staffs that are that are getting together and building programs um i think we've got some amazing very knowledgeable and high ex high expectation coaches in our area many of them almost all of them do a really great job of building a culture of a program that would say once you're done we want you to be back however it just i think it's very important to have a program and create um, the kind of atmosphere that for your players, your student athletes, for them to say, when I'm done playing, I would feel comfortable officiating a game for my coach. Yeah. I think that's one big part of it. And then I would also say on the spectator side of it, understanding that there's nothing wrong with having high expectations for your crews and understanding what games are what, but as a spectator at these events, putting yourself in the shoes of, if your student athletes who are on the field right now, if we play the game where we add 10 years to their life, if you as their parent, would you feel comfortable with the behavior that you're seeing being given to your child if your child was that official? So I think it's a, a, a two-pronged thing. Do, the, do, do our coaches and schools do a, do a really good job of fostering a positive attitude or a positive culture that would invite them to come back? And then with our spectators, can we create an environment in which if your child were that official, would you be okay with the way that, that, that the behavior is? I think those two things would be a huge part of it. It's very interesting. I, just, I don't think a lot of people think about that or even coaches per se that I think that's a great discussion that, I mean, coaches have plenty on their plate, don't get me wrong, especially in this day and age with parents being parents and um, travel ball and competitiveness and, and they have a lot to worry about, but um, I mean, in the conversation of always, you know, what are we going to do when there's no officials? I think that that's something that if you bring that up as a solution, it's like, oh, coaches maybe not aren't thinking about that. And that's something that, I mean, not saying that you solve the problem by any means, but I definitely think that that's a great way to start a conversation. Sure. I, I think we've got, I, I really do believe that we have got such a great culture here in greater central Illinois. We have got some of the most knowledgeable Hall of Fame level coaches and many different co sports all across the board. And I think that they've got some really uh, awesome expectations, but it's just one of those things. Yeah, you can coach them up, and we do that, but just once once the playing days are over, when you kind of look back on those, have we created a culture that, you know, that kid who's 19, 23, graduated, not, will they want to come back, and could they officiate a game for you? How have they seen your reactions with said person? You can have disagreements. I welcome that if, if they're there, but just I think just just fostering that culture might be a huge thing to help. Best part, most rewarding part about being a, a softball umpire, being able to have a first a first row seat to see some of our student athletes do things that they didn't know that they could do. Uh, there's nothing like it, and. Um, Coupling that with being outside of the playing area 
and having some of those people come back to me and talk to me um, as if we've known each other for years, and in many cases we have. And so seeing them and having kind of those warm moments of moments for them that they might remember for the rest of their lives or talk to their kids about and that we can share and being able to be in a front row seat to that, there's nothing like it ever. Do you have a specific story or example that you, that comes to mind that you could share? Yeah, so um, for me, and I mean, I'll, I'll use this name without permission and hopefully she'll be okay, but I think that um, two, two particular instances with um, one of the best, both athletes and uh, just people that I've had a chance to kind of feel like I've watched grow up. Um, Danielle Dennis was just, I mean, she's just an amazing woman and she's doing amazing things. But so th- there were two instances. So um, we had a sectional final. Um, I believe it would have been her junior year and it would have been Buffalo Tri City at Williamsville. Yeah. But the way that it worked on Williamsville was the home team. Yeah. And uh, I can remember, you know, I, that place was absolutely packed. <laughs> And literally, as you as you walk, as, as I'm looking at both of these teams, it's not hyperbole to say that I've literally known all of these girls and had been working with them since junior high school. And at this moment, she, being just the wonderful person that she is, she tries to hug me before the game, and it's like I kind of pulled back from her, and she was just kind of confused. And it's just like it's like I know that for us, we know each other. You're just being the person that you are. Um, it's just one of those things. And she goes on to hit. A home run that was challenged, but you know, just a home run and that, and just an amazing moment in all of those kiddos. And then fast forward a year, where she does something like you know, the walk off grand slam to send your team to state, and you know, as a sports fan, you're like, it doesn't get much better than this. But I mean, just getting there. So just moments like that where seeing somebody do something that just you know, they might not have known that they could do and, and odds that weren't for them. So that for me, those are moments in those games that stick stick out more than any other. Uh, just bringing that up, that kind of interaction, that's got to be hard when you care about them and you know them so well. You have to maintain your professionalism in that setting. At the same time, there's no question that you want to give her a hug. And oh, like, sure. Yeah, and so that's like a line that not many people would think about that you can't cross in that moment but it's like I hope you understand that looking back on it like hey I wasn't trying to push you away by any means. And that's I mean it just goes to show what we've got in this area I think that we've got um, and and I say it again such a great cadre of coaches and players whom um, if in other situations you would and wouldn't even think twice about it and athletic directors where um, in, in another situation walking up and hugging or talking about it or their families or things that are going on you don't think twice about it, but yes, in, in those moments, it's just, it is definitely an interesting uh, thing to kind of turn the professional hat on and just have to kind of focus in, and it's a great thing to be able to do, but yeah, it can definitely be a little taxing at times. Um, for better or worse, many people will say they remember the, the bad days more than the good days. What's a day that you went home and said, man, I really messed up today, like, I feel terrible about it? Sure. I... <laughs> um, not just with high school sports. I'm very blessed to have the opportunity to work um, for USA Softball, and um, they've got national championships, and for them there's also major championships, and I was very fortunate to be selected to work a major championship in Florida a few years ago. And at the time, there is a certification that you can go for that is basically the highest licensure level for a softball umpire for USA Softball nationally. In order to do that, you have to work two major championships. I worked one the year before. It went really well. So I'm thinking, I'm just going to go down here and crush it. Yeah. And I didn't. I went down and had um, a very okay tournament, but it was a step back from the year before. Really knew that, like, the goal that I had set for myself was not accomplished and kind of felt like I was going to, you know, just be done. And... Along with that, I had driven myself to Florida, so I had a two-day drive oh, to yeah. really sulk in the the uh, and stew over this big-time mistake that I felt that I had made. And um, it was a really terrible yet wonderful experience because I got a chance to talk to some mentors and really take some alone time and kind of you know reevaluate um, what was going to be important, how I was going to. Um, 
go forward and you know really attack rules and you know kind of you know you blow up on a really big stage that's something that can stick with you and it did but it also fueled me that you know over the next several years I got another shot was able to accomplish that thing but I don't know that I would have done so if I hadn't fallen and made such like a boneheaded mistake at the time that you know could have potentially cost a team a, a tournament bid you know in, in a pretty intense situation so with that experience and that certification does that mean that around here you get to charge people more for <laughs> your service? Uh, as a matter of fact I don't <laughs> I think uh, you but, should but, you know, that's just, no I'm just kidding no it's, it's wonderful <laughs> like, yeah. um, at what point do you get comfortable with the ball coming straight at you and knowing that I mean, this fourteen-year-old, fifteen-year-old better catch it, or else I'm going to get hurt, and it's going to, it's going to hurt. So, the the easy answer to that is after your first couple of years, uh, you know, you, you purchase gear that's kind of a hodgepodge to get you on the field, <laughs> and so we've all been there and kind of like that stuff. Once you kind of start doing this for a while and know that you're going to stick with it, and you kind of upgrade your materials, it's kind of then when you start realizing. Um, that it really does make a difference what kind of gear you buy, what are some things that are going to protect you if things were to go sour. And so um, after the first couple of years when I really kind of understand that I really like this, this is going to be a thing, and then I started upgrading my gear, and many of the catchers that we work with are so good. I mean, they just really are. And so, like, when they're working hard, it's okay. So uh, it, it, it never fully goes away. But you upgrade your materials and kind of trust your catcher, and usually you're going to be just fine. What was the transition like to start doing volleyball when you are used to having the falls off to watch the Packers or do whatever you want to do? I think we're going to have a good year, but <laughs> you know, it, it was it was so challenging at first. Um, I, I'm one of those people that I like to try to read something and think that I understand it, and there are so many different terms and so much stuff that. For somebody who didn't really understand that game and didn't understand how it worked, I, f- I felt like I could just read this book and understand the way that it worked, and then I got out on the court and was lost. And so I was very fortunate that we've got um, a really amazing group of, of volleyball officials in you know greater central Illinois and Springfield in general. I want to say we've got a, a list of maybe seven or eight officials who had been to the state finals who really kind of mentored and took me with them and we would ask questions or I'd sit at the table and keep my lineup cards with them and um, after a couple of years the game kind of as I say slowed down and started making sense to me and then it just took off and I absolutely love the game I just love it what's the what's the biggest difference in officiating volleyball versus umpiring softball so Mentally, volleyball is easily the hardest game that I do because on a volleyball court, it is incumbent on definitely the the R1, who is the official who stands on the podium, um, it is incumbent that you understand what position, within reason, all 12 players on the floor are in at all times. And so it can be if it is a very fast match or if there are some things that are very borderline, you've got... A whole lot of decisions to make in a very short amount of time um, and so just keeping track of that can be really cumbersome and then um, I think that we're starting to see a lot of fans who are really starting to appreciate the volleyball that we've got in our area we've got some national championship level volleyball here but they're coming to these matches and many of these fans although enthusiastic don't yet understand some of the rules and nuance to volleyball. And so it can be challenging at time that you really want to educate and let them know, hey, this is what's going on. However, it just doesn't allow for that to happen. So that with that particular sport, I think that for most bat ball sports, people have a pretty decent idea. With softball and baseball, within reason, they can figure it out. I think you might be do- being a little too kind. <laughs> I hear a lot of complaining, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry, go on. <laughs> In volleyball, there are a lot of really nuanced rules that if you're going to your first several matches or if it's your first year or so, 
you're probably not going to understand. Like, why is there somebody out there on their team with a different colored jersey? Or why is it that on the first ball, she doubles this thing and he doesn't say anything, but then the same thing happens over here, but it's on the second ball and he's calling that. So there's a lot that in that game, if you're a fan or a casual fan, it's a lot to try to understand. In terms of earlier, you talked about having a front row seat. For volleyball, I can't imagine what it looks like to see Lily Berry or Tori Taylor or Peyton Bergschneider from that angle. It's just got to be insane to be like, holy cow. It's unbelievable and so much fun, right? It, it's the, the fun part about it is the poetry of when you see some of these setters who are so good and you can kind of start to understand what might be happening and then just kind of like you say, it feels like these student athletes are jumping and they're like eye to eye with you and I'm standing on a podium that's four foot off the ground and I'm six I mean it's it's unbelievable and they are just so graceful and then powerful it's it's there's nothing like it there really is nothing like it I mean you at sometimes you, it's got to be hard for you to not just watch and be like oh I've got to pay attention to how she hit them like oh without question <laughs> absolutely you're, you're you you never stop being a fan you never and like I and I never do want to stop being a fan you know seeing on the volleyball side and you know um, we've got such great programs or you know pick pick your program right we've had. Um, Probably, like, if, if we just kind of use terms, a couple of years ago, uh, Pleasant Plains wins the 2A state championship. The next year, St. Teresa does, wins the 2A state championship. And I'm fortunate enough that after that, I get the chance to, 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 to do this match in a gym at Pleasant Plains. How fun is that, right? I mean, it's unbelievable. And like you talked about, I when I first started, which was only seven, eight years ago, I mean, it would be rare if we had somebody in a super sexual, and like you said, now it's like, Oh, Plains goes, Athens goes, St. Teresa goes. I mean, just the capabilities around here, and like you talk about the, the club teams, and they're coming back from nationals with wins, and all these girls are going yes. to different schools around here. It's like, I don't feel like it's going to get worse by any means. It's just, oh no, the talent is, is incredible around here. Well, it's it, it really does remind you or show you, if you look uh, at some of the major D1 stuff, or even at the professional level, these these student athletes are are that good, and they're so professional, and they're so amazing that you know it, it's not often or not uncommon to see you know a, a really great match between pick your your high level school around here, and after the match, these were teammates during the summer. They're making each other better or challenging each other. It's fantastic, and it's just I think it's leaking out to all sports. So I love seeing that. Um, then you throw basketball in the mix. What's it like to? Um, I mean, basketball, you can't be stationary. You're, you're moving, and that adds a whole other element to it. Um, you maybe don't have to keep an eye on all ten at the same time, sure. but um, what's it like jumping into that world? So I did not think that I would love it as much as I do. Now, full disclosure, I, if we're talking about it, and if, you know, we're talking about me personally, I would tell you that I'm an excellent softball official. I would tell you that I'm an excellent volleyball official. And I would tell you that I'm an okay basketball official. I just am. I love the sport, but we have such, just like with the other sports, such a high level, a, a large cadre of state finals level um, officials around here that they are handling some of the, the, you know, your marquee stuff. But I love it. You know, being out there with those student athletes and seeing some of the nuances between a girls basketball game and a boys basketball game or some of the big schools and small schools or rivalry I think it's phenomenal and so um, there's a crew that I get a chance to work with and those guys have become some of my best friends and you know in the car as we go and you know if you're the scheduling guy like I am and you make a mistake and schedule a game and Manito instead of Moequa, how you're two hours away. Uh-oh. Those fun, yeah. Sorry guys, <laughs> but yeah, I love it, and and we love that game. And um, if, if anything, basketball has taught me, um, as one of my mentors has taught me, is like you really have to make sure to leave room for emotion in your game. Uh, the adrenaline and stuff is in that in those situations is packed so tight, and so sometimes you've got situations where. You know, student athletes are so 
lounge and there's such an atmosphere, you know, a band is playing or, or fans might be getting excited and like there's so much going on that man, they just gotta get that energy out sometimes. Uh, but it's just, it's a really different beast, but a beast that I absolutely love. Which sport is the hardest in terms of interacting with coaches who maybe don't agree? Um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say that there's a sport that is necessarily more so than the other because I believe that it, 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 there are some coaches and some situations in which all of them can be. Um, I, I have been very fortunate, knock on wood, that it is very rare that there is a situation in which a coach is completely unreasonable. Kind of like what you talk, what we just talked about, where if there's room for that emotion, and we allow for the room for that emotion, most times it is, hey, they're feeling that there's something that's wrong to them, and if you kind of give them space and an effort to to, to express that, you're probably going to be okay, so long as it doesn't get personal, and it really, really rarely does. Um, one thing that I was taught when I was really kind of coming up is, a lot of times they're not necessarily yelling at Emery they're yelling at a guy in a blue shirt or they're yelling at a guy in a black and white striped shirt and so if I can kind of detach from those moments it's okay I think maybe one of your first years um, we had a, a super sectional that comes to mind where it was St. Joseph Ogden versus Williamsville and it just happened to be the year that, that um, Coach Grebner announced that you know whenever the season was over she was going to be leaving Obviously, there's a whole lot of people who she's impacted and a whole lot of stuff going on. And, you know, she was one of those coaches that, that created an atmosphere of people that would want to come afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that game, mm-hmm. but there was definitely some room for emotion in that game where you could tell there's, you're, you're not, you know, there was a, some stuff that she didn't agree with. She's not yelling at Emery. She's no. yelling at a situation in which the realization that you know when this is all over we might have some stuff and so I think that understanding where those behaviors are usually coming from if we approach it from that aspect it's really not it, typically too bad it's probably close to the same answer but same question but in terms of fans or parents because I feel like um, maybe in volleyball you're far enough away that you don't hear them or softball there is the the fence um, but basketball there's not really that but there's also more people there's more noise sure. so I don't know just kind of take that wherever you want so I, I would say this and especially when it comes to basketball or any sport I think sometimes um, for a parent or a fan it is sometimes hard to change the lens in which you are viewing the game or understand the perspective in which we as officials might be and here's what I mean. Um, as a parent, if, if it's a Friday night and we're packed in a gym and you see something going on, let's say that your child is doing something and you hear a whistle and you just automatically look to the court, what you see is the Friday mornings for a year that you've had to wake up when the kid doesn't want to go to, go to practice and the, the times where you've spent with your student athlete in the gym over and over working on this discipline or listening to the, to, the, to the student athlete talk about a coaching situation or friend situation. So you are seeing your child who has worked so hard and this happened and this guy just blew this call. As an official... I saw 23 blue hit 14 white and I blew my whistle because I don't have the time to differentiate between this person that you love and that you've watched and who's working really hard. I just see a foul blue and white and I have to go. So, and then understanding that as silly as it sounds, and I kid you not, whether it be a volleyball match or a softball game or a basketball game, Literally, unless something crazy has happened, most of the time, by the time we are in the dressing room changing, we have forgotten maybe what the end, end uh, the, the ending score was, anything crazy that's happened. We might be talking about mechanic situations or plays, but I, we as officials do not have the capacity to care about the outcome of these contests. We want to make sure that we're doing a good job and we care about doing a fair job and being good arbiters of the game. But like the 
who wins your conference or what happens at this game or certain milestones, we don't have the capacity to care, especially if we kind of look back over these last few months and or years. It, it, it is not out of the realm of possibility that because of the shortages that we've had, most of us were working a, a girls game on Monday, a boys game on Tuesday, maybe taking Wednesday off, maybe. You're probably working a girls game on Thursday, you're probably working a boys game on Friday, and you're probably working a girls game early on Saturday, and then a boys game later on Saturday. So, it is not, like when I, when I say things along the lines of not having the capacity to, to internalize that, we don't. I mean, it just, there's so much that by the time we're done, we're done. Being as good as you are at your craft, especially, I mean, like you mentioned, softball and volleyball, it's safe to say that you're very good at what you do. Um, why do you continue to do high school sports around here when there's probably opportunity to do to move up, to do bigger things in bigger cities, or, or move on? So I, I've done some of that, but I mean, the, the real answer is that, um, you know, sports, and especially sports here, has given me so much, more than I could ever ever ask for. My, my best friends are involved in this, our relationships, and then it, it almost feels, as silly as it sounds, it almost feels as though parents and coaches are almost lending their student athletes to us to kind of watch them do these wonderful things. Um, the high school game is so important and I you know it, it really means a lot to me and you know the officials around that we keep that um, around I can remember and think back to when I was in school and the things that we got a chance to do and the silly memories that we made and things like for those of us who weren't really great and then you know I was fortunate to be at a high school that we had some really amazing things happening and I can remember how that made me feel and so it's really important to keep in perspective that some of the things that we are doing, some of the memories that these, these student-athletes are making, they will get a chance to have for the rest of their lives. So it's really important that if there is an opportunity for us to keep that going, that we do our parts to make sure we keep that going. What do you hope that people remember Emory for when you're done officiating, when you're done being an umpire? It's a great question. I would hope that it's just the simple things that, you know, if, if you know, 15, 20 years from now or whenever, if somebody kind of says my name or if there's something going on, that it's somebody that will smile. You know what I mean? Like that, that I was somebody who was fair, that really enjoyed spending time with them. And kind of the adage that, that, that we said earlier that, you know, when they see it, it's like, hey, it's this guy, not, oh, it's, it's this guy. Yeah. Um. I've had conversations with people around different sports and different professions um, that talk about not only officiating but coaching um, and how sometimes the the atmosphere or the culture changes when our cameras show up because kids are worried about being on the wrong side or the right side or trying to do different things. Um, do you see that at all or do you have any sort of comment on that? All the, all the, I, I'm fortunate that I think you know we've we've seen each other quite a bit, uh, both you and, and your amazing staff a lot. I think it's a great thing, and I, I've actually only seen it be a positive in that um, most people, most of these student athletes, when they see that somebody's there who cares about them, who's going to give them positive attention, who's going to stay and watch a whole game, they think it's a fantastic thing. Um, likewise. I think that it's also interesting when you see and hear some of the, you know, the schools or, or areas who come in and play like a non-conference game or something like that, when they see that that's the kind of coverage that they get, there's a whole lot of, of, of envy that they don't have the same type of thing. So um, I, I think that it's it, all of that I have seen has been a wonderful thing. And in fact, um, both from the student athlete standpoint, and I can also kind of tie it to the officiating standpoint, there have been many times where you and I have had situations where there might be either a controversial call or a call that I don't know about or you make a call during game where I know that you're awake or, or probably in this very room editing and I'm like, hey, 
can you send me a picture of this or something of that nature so all of the things that I have heard it's actually been a very positive thing and I think I really do think the student athletes and their coaches really appreciate that um, we kind of talked a little bit about the the Danielle Dennis um, home run and that that game that moment um, what's some other ones that kind of stand out because like you said it can they can all run together maybe you don't remember final scores um, but there has to be moments that you're just like, man, I can't believe I just saw that. Oh, I've been you know, just just fortunate. So um, just watching, you know, those two have, have been like some that have been just unbelievable. Um, I got an opportunity for, you know, a shout out to some of uh, the student athletes in, in Decatur. Um, I got a chance to do the 2A state championship volleyball match in which St. Teresa won. And so just being there and seeing them and, and watching how, um, some of the players on that team, there were probably four or five student athletes on that team who could start for many others who understood that their roles played really hard um, and, and persevered. I think about the Athens volleyball team who kind of came out of nowhere and for a school like Athens in volleyball whom for years past, if you talk about the Sangamo where you know, it, it is not. I don't. I don't think it's it's an overstep to say that you expect a Maroa or a Williamsville or a Pleasant Plains, based on their history, to be kind of the school that they're going to push to do. Mm-hmm. Athens kind of pushing through and doing that. Um, a two A uh, Pleasant Plains when they got a chance to win their state championship. Um, there are a couple of officials from here who are there watching them. Um, so many. I mean, really, and 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 then from a one more family plug situation. Um, probably some of my proudest ones, although I've never officiated him on purpose, getting a chance to see my nephew do some of the amazing things that he's done. I'm um, going through both his high school, now collegiate, and now kind of realizing his Division One dream. It's so neat. So I've kept you plenty. Um, I appreciate your time. I know you're very busy and like we're doing this after a game, so I'm sure you're tired and ready to go home, but thank you so much for your time. Uh, It's been fun, and uh, like you said earlier, I know when I get to a game and see you, it's like, okay, this is going to be well-organized, well-officiated, and, you know, fair, and at the same time, um, like like you said, we can talk about it afterwards and be like, that was fun, or did you, can you believe this happened? Oh, so it's, uh, it's it's great to see you again. So thanks for your time. Hey man, thanks for thinking about it. Really appreciate you, and uh, really appreciate you letting us uh, shine a little bit of light on officiating. It's a great thing. Super. Thanks. Special thank you to Emery for taking the time. Such a great guy, and I had a blast talking with him. You can certainly tell how passionate he is, and that's why so many people appreciate his hard work. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Northwestern Mutual for being the sponsor. Get outside this weekend, enjoy the sports, enjoy the beautiful weather. I'll see you next week.